On this episode of Select Insights, we have a guest joining us from outside the travel agency world to bring us a different perspective on hospitality and travel trends. Nicholas Graff is Associate Dean at NYU's Tisch Center of Hospitality. Nicholas has enjoyed a diverse career in this industry from being a culinary student under Elaine Ducasse to now educating our next generation of hospitality professionals at one of the industry's most prestigious schools. On this episode, Mike and I chat with him about his thoughts on how the industry has evolved, what drives consumer behaviors, and what's shaping the next trends in travel. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Select Insights. I'm really excited to be recording this episode again from our New York headquarters here at Travel Leaders Group. As always, this is Karen here with Mike Halfway, my co-host. Hi, Karen. Uh, really excited to have with us Nicholas Graff, who is the Associate Dean of NYU um, Hospitality School. So Nicholas, let's get right into it. I, how did you get to the position that you're in today? Um, the short story is I quit my last job. And, uh, <laughs> All good stories which, start which, that which, way, which, don't they? <laughs> uh, which, which was in Switzerland. I was the uh, chief academic officer of Les Roches um, Hotel School in Switzerland, which I did for a year and a half. Um, but I'm originally from Switzerland. Um, I wanted to follow my passion, and I think that's going to be uh, a good introduction for the subject today. I, I wanted to study what I liked. I wanted to do the, you know, the experience of my life instead of, of you know, going after... Um, you know, career and money. So I, I'm a certified chef, uh, started as a chef, um, realized it was hard work, um, late nights, no weekends, uh, and went on to study um, hotel management at the Lausanne Hotel School in Switzerland, ended up doing a PhD in the US, um, and then worked at different universities, University of Houston in Texas, um, then I went to a business school in France, a SEC business school, I was on the faculty there, uh, and then decided to go back to uh, the culinary side of, of, of the world and work for Alain Ducasse, um, the celebrity chef, uh, for about a year. And then went to Switzerland, and now I'm here at NYU. Very nice. So you could kind of combine the two from a hospitality standpoint, right? So you went to cooking school, and then you, you studied hotel hospitality. Mm -hmm. So going back to your initial comment about wanting to follow your passion, at what point did you realize that that was your passion? You mean culinary? Yeah, oh, hospitality, hospitality in general. In general. Well, you know, I think pretty early. I mean, I, I was really into chocolate, and uh, that's probably not a surprise to you in Switzerland. <laughs> but I, I used to eat my, you know, my my pound of chocolate a day, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I should stop eating that, and I should try to figure a way of doing it. That well, was I much better for my belly, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think before we even move forward, we have to kind of let the cat out of the bag. One of the um, coincidences here was the fact that we were just discussing that you're from Lausanne. We just did a wonderful podcast um, about Switzerland in general with a dear friend of ours who's from Lausanne as well. And um, one of my favorite chocolate uh, shops in the world is from there. So she just came back recently and brought us some great chocolate. So I, if I lived there, I would probably eat chocolate every day, too. Um, so, Mike, why don't you go into some of the questions that we had in terms of um, what's going on in the world of hospitality now? What does it look like? What are some of the consumer trends? We'd love to kind of hear your insight and thoughts into that. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big things that we're curious about is with all of the evolution going on sort of in the travel world in general, right? And, and we talk enough about disruption and the role that social media and technology and cybersecurity and all these things are playing is 
you know, what does what is maybe the Tisch School's philosophy or your personal philosophy and how are you evolving the way that we educate and train what it means to be a hotelier now compared to what that meant 20 years ago? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, the, the, the 10, 10, 15 years ago, the, the, the key uh, skills we were uh, giving students were technical skills, uh, whether they were, you know, about, you know, how to how to run a hotel from an operation standpoint, how to uh, commercialize the hotel, you know, sales and marketing techniques and things of the sort. I think we still do that. Uh, we've uh, gradually uh, incorporated a lot more technology into the mix, you know, whether you talk about, you know, how to manage distribution channels, how to manage social media, um, um, how to manage um, your brand awareness on all of the new channels and, and on all of the, the new platforms. Um, so, and, and from there, I think we've, we've started to realize that the, the boundaries between traditional, the traditional hotel industry and the distributors and then the local community and all that became a lot more fuzzy. And, and it's very hard to tell today what is a hospitality company and what, what you, you understand what a hotel is, but you know hotels today they, they have jobs that didn't exist five years ago, like people who are in charge of experience, uh, the chief experience uh, officer. Uh, when, when I was in Paris, the interesting thing is a couple of palace hotels in Paris introduced a couple of a couple of years ago they introduced the the chief uh, experience officer type of positions and people who were in charge of <coughs> securing. Uh, um, movies being shot in Paris and securing the fact that the actors and, and actresses and all of the movie stars would stay at the hotel so that the customers could, the regular customer could actually, you know, walk by, you know, Tom Cruise, walk by, you know, that kind of superstar, uh, creating that experience. So the the traditional definition of, you know, what a hotel was, which is basically, you know, the commercial side bringing heads in the beds and, and the operational side making sure the bed was done and clean, uh, that's changed a lot and, and it's, it's a lot more about creating emotions, co connecting people with the local communities and, and understanding that we, we've not only moved into the experience economy today, but we, we are really moving into an experience economy that, that is also social and viewed through the social lenses. So you want to live an experience, but you also want to make sure that all of your friends, whether they're real friends or, or digital friends, know about it and, and, and can you know, envy you in many ways. So to, to get back to your question, the way we've changed, so we have a lot more courses that are... Um, we, we just launched, for instance, a program, a Master of Science in Event Management, which, which is creating stories, creating memories, creating emotions, whether they're, they're small-scale events to, to very large-scale events. So, and, 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 and in that program, we have uh, a lot of new, um, I would say, skills that we're trying to teach our students, which are essentially understanding the psychology of, of, of consumers, understanding how consumer, uh, not the... Not the um, the, the, the physical aspect of the product or, or even the service that they buy, but really the emotional aspect of what they buy and how, how they can connect to it and how you can create that. So we're talking about aesthetics. We're talking about, we're bringing a lot more um, art into the program, whether it's about um, um, fine arts or, or it's about, um, um, you know, performance, uh, these kinds of things. So we, we've brought a lot more soft skills and skills that are more behavioral and, and, and rooted in psychology as opposed to hard skills that we used to teach. That's really interesting. That's really, and I think it's, it's, it's actually in keeping with a the theme that Karen and I have been talking about on this, as we've talked about 
favorite hotels and sort of what creates that. And a lot of what we've been talking about is the personalization and that sort of feel you get from a really great general manager, right? Of how they bring together all of the things you were just talking about, the psycho-emotional aspect of it to the physical representation of that psycho-emotional aspect. I was just in I was just in Paris, ironically, staying at the Shangri-La. And I, you know, we get the unique experience because we work in this industry that I did a tour of the hotel with the sales manager. And I was telling her that it was one of the best cultural experiences I had in Paris was walking through the Shangri-La, right? It's the old home of Bonaparte. It has all of these historical monuments that are a part of the architecture of the building, all refurbished, all something that a normal guest wouldn't see. And I was telling her, like, you need to make this part of the experience of being a guest. This has been incredible. The history is amazing. The art and architecture are stunning. Like, I loved that portion of it and the way that hotels are working in more of their own representation of the history and the experience and the culture of their destination is an awesome thing. And it's great to hear that you guys are not only responding to that, but at the forefront of educating how to make that more of a part of the of the hospitality experience, because it really is part of what makes it so unique and what makes visiting hotels so, you know, sort of such a cool experience if you sit down and embrace how distinct they can be as an experience in and of themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, um, the, the, the other thing we're, we're, we, we, we've seen, so if I, if I look back, it's, it's kind of funny because when, when I was a student, an undergraduate student, many years ago, um, we were trained on personalized service because in, you know, back, I'm not going to give my age, but... <laughs> Say twenty something years ago, uh, maybe thirty something years ago, soon, um, in, in, in the, the the birthplace of the hotel industry was it was in Switzerland. In fact, uh, a lot of the you know historic palace hotels were um, uh, originated from from Switzerland, and the, and and the service there was you know the, the the clientele was essentially families that would come generation after generation. So so the the, the hotel managers knew. The father, the grandfather, the you know they knew the family like like friends, and and so they were able to really personalize the service. Now, as as the profession professionalized, really we've kind of lost that, and and as we adapted to technology and and the growth in the use of technology, we became a lot more, um, uh, you know, process orientated as opposed to people orientated, and I think that that's what made a lot of the hotel industry growth uh, for the past I'd say twenty years. And then I think the pendulum is kind of swinging back into a middle ground. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think there's definitely kind of um, hotels trying to get back to the how do we personalize service on a, a scalable level. I think we've talked about this before. And then like how do they use now technology to allow them to do the things that they were able to do just by knowing the family, knowing the people. And I also think as someone who's a big fan of just classic luxury when it comes to travel, when it comes to my hotels, I think this whole trend towards experience is giving all the, I don't want to say older, but all the older classic properties is renaissance because they do have the history and they can create those experiences. And now I think it's sort of an interesting time where the modern hotels aren't, aren't able to kind of capitalize that on that as much. I mean, obviously, they have their communities and things like that. But, yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting. Very yeah, interesting. I, think that's really, I think that's really great. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with, with Karen more on this. And actually, as someone who is not the same fan of sort of, I think, traditional luxury as, as Karen is, I think finding hotels that find a way to do – both of those really well in a way that can still be personalized is such a unique experience. And and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I My background, I worked at Orbitz prior to coming to the traditional sort of travel side of the business. And 
we sat through that renaissance, right? Where distribution channels really did open up marketplaces for hotels and it became the sole focus of, of a hotelier was to figure out how to manage distribution channels, right? That was everything. There was a million new entrants. You went from GDS only to, you know, now you've got Pegasus distribution to now everyone has their own customized, you know, through Derbysoft or whatever way of distributing hotel content. That was great for mass market, but I think you're right. It took the pendulum so far away from, let's remember that at the end of the day, you are still a physical person checking into a physical location. And unless this works, the rest of it is sort of irrelevant. And we've seen a really great, you know, I think come back to the marketplace where at the end of the day, this really is about people serving people, no matter how they get there, there's no escaping that aspect of hotels. And I think it's something that is really good to see it's positive for the marketplace and it's positive for the economic impact that hotels have as well because i think ironically i was just listening to a freakonomics podcast they were talking about how trader joe's is revolutionizing the the industry great episode right it was an awesome episode but what i really walked away from was like it's sort of ironic that all they're doing is rewinding grocery stores by 20 years they're just going back to like oh yeah this is people selling to people let's make this a positive experience i think we felt the same way about hotels all of the focus was on how do I use a digital key and check in on my phone and arrange the lights through my phone and make sure I never have to talk to somebody? And they realized, especially in the luxury market, like, I like, right? We were just talking about this. I was at the Alpina in Switzerland. The best part of our stay was the staff. Like the staff was from something like 26 different countries, incredible experiences, great people, right? I mean, all the way down to like, what mint leaves do you want in your gin and tonic? Yeah. I'll sit there and talk about that forever, right? I mean, they were they were great, and I just love that this is that this is actually being driven through the educational process too. Yeah, That's think, amazing. You know, it's the uh, the emotion that we you know hotels and people create. Uh, uh, there, there was a time when you, you know we and and again, it's kind of the history repeating itself. But the the first um, uh, palace hotels were known for being the first properties offering you know running water hot water in every room i mean people even even the wealthy did not have hot water in every room in their in 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 their apartment so they were the first one to have you know telephone um the first one to have tvs and things like that and then that all became commodities uh, i i think and so at and, and so we moved away from that to service and then we moved away again to you know, distribution and the technology side, we're trying to get the best X, Y, and Z. And now now it's coming back to creating emotions. But but I would say it's not just the luxury uh, market. And I, and I and I think, in fact, emotions, there's a, the, the CEO of Aqua Hotels, uh, Sebastian Bazin, is, 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 which I think has a, has a very interesting vision of, of hospitality going forward. And, and one of the things he says when, when asked about, you know, when is, when will you have too many brands? And, and he says, you know, I will never have too many brands because it's like friends, right? They never have too many friends. And, and, and I go to a brand for a specific type of emotions that I'm, that I'm seeking to have, just like I, I invite a friend for a certain type of, you know, experience. And, and so I think the segmentation that we used to have, you know, from, from, from budget, economy, mid-scale, upscale, luxury, that segmentation is kind of, of less and less relevant. And now people are looking by types of emotion. So you're going to have a certain type of emotion. You know, you go to a, you know, kind of a camping somewhere. I mean, we had on, on the island, we had these uh, kind of luxury tents and things. That's kind of an experience, not luxury product per se, but it's a type of experience. And, and what, what you want is the emotion associated with 
you know, the, that type of a product. People who go to a Citizen M hotel, for instance, they, it's not luxury. They pay a premium, though, but because they seek a certain type of experience. People who go to, you know, hostels, I mean, we, and, and it's not just for the, for, for, for the uh, new generation. It's also for people in their 30s that go to a hostel because that's where they wanted a type of experience. And, and, and again, I think it's all about around that emotion and how do you create that emotion through through people, through technology, through design, through um, you know food and beverage, and, and through music, through art and performance, how do you create the emotion? Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, because you, you create that connection very differently with different groups of people. Um, quick question for you. So on the hospitality side, who are you really looking at right now as, as um, trailblazing in terms of doing things differently, doing things in a way that's sort of a new experience for consumers? I know you just talked about a core. Are there any other companies on your watch list? from a hotel brand perspective? I think every one of them, the, the big ones, are trying different things. Um, and and, and it's not, there's not only one way of, of succeeding, I think, in this business. N number one, it's a growing industry, so, so it's probably the, the golden age of, of travel and tourism in general, and the hospitality is within that. Um, so there's a share for everyone, um, I, I think. So, but, but if you take Marriott, for instance, Marriott has done a wonderful job with MLive, for instance, and in trying to leverage social medias to come up with ways to empower their people of their properties to, to create an emotion, you know, kind of identifying that there's something special going on in someone's life so that when they stay at the property, there's a little gift related to whatever, you know, good thing mm -hmm. that's happening in their life now. Be careful of not being too creepy here. But, well, right. But so actually, no, no, no. I'm glad you said that because I just wanted to jump in for a second because I think it brings up a really interesting conversation. Obviously, I think a big, big thing for 2019 is going to be how do we um, leverage the data and how do we create those really personalized experiences without overstepping boundaries from a, a personal privacy perspective. And my theory is that in the next year, consumers are going to pull back on that a lot more. They're not going to want their information um, on apps. They're not going to want their location services on. Um, so I'm kind of curious to hear where you see that going in the next year or two, whether or not you think it's something that people will just warm up to, or do you do you see consumers, you know, driving farther away from giving hotels the ability to do things like that? You know, it's 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 a good question. I don't think I have a perfect answer to that, but but if uh, again history serves as a as a as a as a, as a teacher as a lesson. Um, in the past, you know, lots of creepy things could happen in a hotel. Uh, I mean, think about it. Everybody can come in your room mm -hmm. where they can dig into your suitcase and look at your underwear and mm -hmm. all these creepy things. I mean, that are very personal things when you think about it. Y in the past, when we didn't have, you know, you know, laptops or, 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 or iPhones and, and things of the sort, we had physical agendas where we were keeping all of our contacts' names mm -hmm. and, and, and phone numbers of our friends. I mean, people in the hotels could, could come into the room and actually look into that. So so I think it's a, it's a question of, of self-regulation and how the industry behaves. Now, the question is, will, will at the moment, some of the creepy um, uh, experiences that we've seen uh, were coming from artificial intelligence not functioning well enough in utilizing some of the data. Mm -hmm. Now, should we have more of a human decision that comes into play in saying, although humans are not perfect either, right? I mean, people make mistakes, people have bad judgment, but how do we make sure that we, we self-regulate ourselves in the way we use data, in a way that's, you know, 
common sense and, and, and uh, respectful of people's uh, intimacy and respectful of people's wishes. For instance, you know, when people put a sign on the door, you know, do not open, you know, you know don't clean the room, um, we respect that. So, so in a way, I could imagine something like a, a sign on the door and say, don't use my data. And for, for a little while, you know, it's not like I, I never want you to use the data. It's simply that I need, I, for a moment, I need total privacy. I need to be incognito in, in, in this in this world. Yeah. And uh, but at times there are people who say, you know, yeah. use my data, you know, do something for me. I, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I need I need something like I need really an emotion. I need you to customize the stay. I need you to know that um, I'm on a I'm on a total jet lag and I need to, you know, I, I need you to know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it's kind of a self-regulation and also customer being being able and empowered to actually put the sign on the door and saying, don't disturb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because even in myself, I mean, I struggle with that in terms of wanting the convenience of it, right? Like if there's something local and I can get a discount on it, great, I want to know mm -hmm. about that. Um, but at the same time, as a as someone who travels alone a lot for work, I worry about security, right? Mm -hmm. I do worry about that other side of it. So it'd be interesting to see if they could build something in. But anyway, going back to the question, because I do want to hear, aside from Marriott, anyone else that's standing out to you? Uh, the, you know, uh, the, um, I, I think Accor is really interesting because they, they've, they've gone, they're, they're kind of trying a lot of things that others are trying, but they, the others are trying one only. Um, they, they've launched the um, Accor Local um, um, uh, project, which if last thing I heard is not entirely successful, but they're trying something that I think is, is quite interesting is how do you how do you connect the local community to the hotel services and, 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 and at the end, you know, to the hotel guests and how do you make hotel the hotel experience available to the local community in, in you know, in serving the local community, in, in in selling to the local community. And I and I and I think that's a very interesting way of of looking at the boundaries of what is a hotel. The other thing that I think they've done, and there are a couple of other hotel companies going in a similar way, in similar direction. Um, their new brand, Joe and Joe, I think is is kind of interesting. If you know the way they define it, it's not a hotel; it's an open house. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that you know, you think about it, it, you know, it's not a hotel. You you have some rooms you can sleep if you want, but but at the end, what we're doing is we're creating an open house where people, friends, are coming to party and have and you know, create their own experience. Um, Intercontinental has also a couple of of interesting project in the way they they use their their, their data and the way they uh, enable customers to actually book things. In not a generic thing, but book a specific room, and I know that Starwood was was also working on that. So other hotel companies are working on it. I think they're all kind of of testing um, the capabilities offered by technology in trying to offer something of value to consumers. Certain things work; people see the value of it. Other things don't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and bringing sort of local life into hotels—it's sort of funny that that's becoming such a big thing. I think in travel news and travel content in the last couple of months, it's not—I don't see that as a new thing. There's been a couple of hotels that have been doing that really well, like the Ace Hotel in New York. They always had that great area, and it's it's sort of funny how they were such—they um, were so ahead of the game in that. I mean, they were doing that five years ago, but only now are they really starting to get all that recognition. On you know, in terms of bringing life into the property, so it's really really very interesting. 
Um, so I have a question. Um, in terms of the the students that are coming in your door now, what are they interested in? Like what kind of segments of hospitality are really hot for them right now? What kind of questions are they asking? I'm just sort of curious, the newer students today. And the reason I ask is because when I first got into this business, I don't think I ever realized, and, and granted, did not go to hospitality school, um, but I feel as though there wasn't a lot of awareness for the scope of the amount of opportunities that sort of exist within this industry. So I'm just curious to hear what the trends are like from the student body. So I have to look at the uh, first the undergraduate students. So undergraduate students, they make their um, choice to apply to NYU, say when they're 17, 16, 17. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, it depends on how you look at it. We, we are very selective. We, we, you know, being in New York, we just have very limited space to accommodate freshmen. Um, and so we, we are very selective, so we can't take everyone. So I cannot talk about the entire population. But the one that are accepted and, and that come to us, a lot of them are still interested in the food side of things. That's, that's interesting. You know, they, 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 uh, they're foodies. Um, and, and, and foodies, have, I mean, with, you know, with Instagram celebrating every dish. I mean, when, when I go on my Instagram, I see and I see the, you know, some of the students, the, the thing that they share the most is the food they eat. And so a lot of them are interested by that from a lifestyle standpoint. So I don't think they want to be chef or, you know, whether they're chef in the kitchen or a pastry chef or things like that. But I think from a lifestyle, they, they're really foodies. And so they're interested by getting into a, a sector and having a job that will be connected at one point with, with food and beverage. Um, and, so what, and what are, sorry to interrupt you, but what are those jobs? Is that sort of um, editorial? Are they talking about <coughs> food magazines? Do they want to be critics? Do they want to be bloggers? I mean, what, it's all of those it, it can be all of this. It can be also, you know, you know people working in, marketing you know marketing destinations marketing different uh, uh, locations where yeah, you PR. you know you're gonna, you're gonna use all of the food the local food to actually attract people to to you know one of the key thing driving demand today in travel is, is food and local food and how how well recognized is the food uh, you know go to Providence here for instance I, I went to Providence and everybody was telling me this is the capital of the food and there's lots of great restaurants and so I went there and and I wasn't disappointed it was great food but there's not much other than food in, in Providence. I mean, it's a great city, it's a, but it's a quiet city. I mean, it's not like New York, you know, but but it's known for that and people go there because they expect, you know, kind of a foodie experience, and which I, I had and it was a wonderful experience. But so so they, they think about being connected to a lifestyle industry where whether they, they become food, uh, um, you know, writers about food within blogs or, or on magazines or, or whether they work in hotels in food and beverage or whether they work in, uh, even in, in hotels in, in um, uh, meetings, for instance, and in the, in, in the sales department, they're going to have something to do with food. Uh, so that's one of the, one of the things that's very, uh, that, that's not all of our students, but a lot of our students are kind of interested in. The other thing they're very interested in is, is, the, the new generation is is very hands-on. They're very practical. They 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 want um, they want to see the result of their work relatively quickly, and and so they 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 see uh, our sectors as being sectors where you can you can, for instance, event management is hot today, very hot. So, so they they want to work in event management because they're gonna they're gonna work on the event, but then they're gonna experience it. Um, if you know, if if you're an analyst at a bank, you rarely see the result of your work. In in in, in or you, you you never experience it, right? Even if you see the result, you don't experience it. Uh, they they want to do things where they can experience the result of of, the, of their work. Um, 
and 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 that is sometimes at the expense of of, of you know you know high salaries or high income it's they, they'd rather go for something they can truly experience as a, within their job than maybe a higher income uh, in, in a job that's that's not as practical um, so I wouldn't say it's like you know looking at a vocational education but they're looking at an education that that gives them a good career prospect uh, good opportunities but in 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 fields that have relatively immediate um, outcomes to their work and and things they can really experience um, the, at the graduate level, it's, it's slightly different. We, we have uh, slightly older uh, uh, students at the graduate level, so we, we still have uh, um, some that are very interested in the real estate side of the business. So we and, and some are interested in it from a you know because it's 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 also kind of practical. But there's a there's a you know you, you, we know names of hotels. We rarely know names of office buildings. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is also something in hotels, even if for people who are interested in real estate, there's something that's also um, kind of unique. And, and, and again, I, I think I would I would I would associate that with a kind of a lifestyle. So even though we have uh, a lot of students that end up in, in real estate, in hotel development um, uh, teams, uh, they, they're doing it because they they you know, they, they really like the. The, the uniqueness of hotels as a, as, as a real well, estate. Well, it's emotional, right? Going it's back to what you were exactly. before, people become yeah, much more emotionally absolutely. tied to properties that are hotels versus yep. sort of yes. office buildings. Yes. yes. Although we've just moved into this office building, I'm pretty emotionally tied to it because <laughs> yeah. I really do like it. Now we're, now we're all hooked. <laughs> now it's we're actually, all hooked. It's actually really interesting what you were just talking about. We've, on a previous discussion, we're talking about, um, I come from IT, from technology consulting, and that one of the big draws about coming back to hospitality, why I think I keep coming back into this world, is the urgency of it, right? We sort of traditionally think of technology as moving very fast. Technology, especially in the corporate space, does not move fast, right, at all. Hospitality does, by definition, right? I mean, you talked from an operational metric, from a heads and beds perspective, it certainly moves fast because if that bed is not slept in tonight, you can't sell last night, tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So you lose that opportunity. But also, as you said, from an events and management perspective, you know, we were looking at flight trends this morning, even international destinations now, 50% of our flights are booked inside of two weeks. There is just an urgency to this market and an urgency for the demand to get out and explore that makes it, there's like an emotional connection just in that piece of it alone, just in the fact that you feel like you are sort of caught up in the experience. And I think that's a really cool thing and probably part of why I love that you said golden age earlier. That was literally the title of the media event that we just did here this morning was that this is sort of the golden age of travel. And I think a lot of that is that, right? It's the accessibility, but it's also just sort of the urgency and the emotion with which we all are getting swept up in right now because the world feels attainable. It feels like you can go out and experience sort of whatever you want today with an ease that is, you know, never and, I, and I'd replicated. say, and I'd say, I, I, I would think that both, uh, people working in this industry, and but, but also the consumers, they, it's a, it's a need. It's a need to actually experience and and, and experience it with people, mm -hmm. uh, because the rest, you know, we, we we have enough of the, you know, everything is a commodity today. I mean, you talk about the oh, yeah. iPhone was really fun a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's a commodity, so we I, I no longer have that kind of. Uh, um, you know, energy when I when I take my iPhone, it's kind of off. Uh, I don't want to see it anymore. Um, so everything is kind of all of the product side of things tend to be commoditized today. The and the thing that people really crave for is is that emotion and and that social emotion. So so being with people. So and, and these are people industry. So that's another thing that a lot of our students are are looking for is being in an environment that's really people friendly. Um, and, and, and where they can make connections. So, yeah. so that's a big thing that they're lo looking for.
I want to I want to come back to so we asked you a fundamental question when we first asked you about joining us that we you know I think for a good reason have spent 30 minutes and haven't gotten to yet but that question really centered on exactly what you just brought up right sort of two pieces of data that I think tripped for Karen and I this idea that like we need to dive deeper into consumer behavior and the impact it's having on travel generally those two pieces of data were a report on the slowing of iPhone cycles. So that basically we're at the point now where there's diminishing returns on new features, right? Whether I can use my fingerprint or scan my face is sort of irrelevant, right? I get no joy out of those new features. My iPhone is as functional as I need it to be. So people are just spending less money. It's not that the product is worse. It's just that we're already satisfied. And the other piece of this was, I just read that in 2018, it was the first year ever that spending at bars and restaurants exceeded grocery store spending, right? So it's the first time that dining has been more experiential than it has been a product consumption activity. So we were thinking about like, you know, when we look at the renaissance of travel, everyone wants to say it's air flights have gotten more frequent and more available, certainly true. And GDP and household income, right, went up in a major way in 2018. And so that's playing a major impact on this. And I'm sure that those are all contributing. But it also seems like we're sort of hitting a tipping point where we are just fundamentally spending our money in different ways, whether we have more of it or not. We're just reallocating it. And I'm wondering, you know, as you guys do research and study into this, are you seeing the same thing? Are you seeing an increase in experiential spending as the as with the only outcome being the experience itself? Yeah, you know <clears throat> I think we've moved that that's been in, in, in the making for, for quite some time now where, you know, the, the experience economy was kind of first um, introduced or discussed uh, in, in the late 90s. Um, now, it wasn't evident because we were still in the service uh, industry. Uh, now, now, we've clearly moved into the experience economy and the, and the service uh, still exists uh, in parallel, but the growth is coming from, has been coming from the experience and the, the experiential side of things, and, and that's documented, so you can see that through, through research. The, the thing that we're seeing now, I think, is, is the experience needs to become meaningful to people it needs to be become really meaningful to either the way they give back or to the way they uh, that in, enrich really their life beyond the moment um, um, and, and and we see that in education where we see that on, 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 on cruise ships now you you educational seminars are becoming you know more interesting than than let's say a concert or you know we, you're still gonna have the concerts you're still gonna have the uh, the shows and the things like this but some people they want also to come out of it with not just the joy and the emotion, but also out of it with becoming smarter, knowing more about something. You know, I'm going to talk. We're going to Cuba. It's open now. Um, you know, we, I want to know about their heritage sites. So we're going to bring. So we had one of our professor who, who did uh, some research on Cuban uh, heritage sites, um, who was invited by uh, Norwegian Cruise Line to give a talk on on, on, on the ship, and, and it was well attended because people want to not only experience it, but they want it. They want it. They want to enrich their life. Um, you have a couple of hotel companies that have taken that uh, route in, in actually offering very high-end, um, think about Banyan Tree, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, that's doing a lot in, in trying to be experiential and social. You know, and, and, and so when I say social, it's societal in a way, doing, doing good, making sure that uh, you have an experience, but that it makes a sustainable uh, impact on, on the local population in, in different ways. Um, so, so, so I think it's well documented. Um, the... The, uh, I would think so, you know, people trying to grow intellectually, people trying to grow emotionally, uh, that's true for hotels. Uh, an another piece is the 
Uh, on the restaurant side, you were talking about the restaurant and food, food and beverage sales and, and, and things like that. So that's an anecdote. But uh, when I was working with Alain Ducasse uh, at, the, at the Plaza Athene, he, when he relaunched the restaurant there, uh, Alain Ducasse at the Plaza Athene in Paris, um, he trained his entire uh, um, service staff, so not the kitchen staff, the service staff. He was trained by a ballet director to be able to you know, serve customers in an aesthetic way, in a way that was choreographed, uh, to really have that kind of an experience. So people spending, in fact, when you go there, and, and you should all go there, it's a wonderful experience, uh, trust me. Um, uh, it, you probably spend, whatever you spend, I would say, a lot more of it goes towards paying the service staff than goes towards paying the food. Because number one, there's no meat served. So, so the food is vegetable, cereal, and, and seafood. So it's not necessarily the most expensive you know, food cost um, that, that you can think of. But the experience from the service and the entire flow and, and the aesthetic of it is, is really what, um, what, what's gone up. So, so yes, no, clearly there are, there are evidences, both anecdotal evidences, but, but, but also research and, 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 and documented evidences of, of a shift in, in spending towards that. Well, and I think travel is such a big illustration of, of just consumer spending patterns in general, in all segments, really, right? Like your dollars, your votes. So people are going and they're traveling to places that are socially conscious. They're taking wellness vacations. And, you know, the industry is responding and the new builds are, are more socially consciously done, right? Like the buildings are, are um, green. Um, hotels are really promoting that fact to drive new business. So I think it's it's a it makes me hopeful, especially given, you know, concerns with the environment and all those things that were, you know, as an industry shifting society in a strong direction. Um, but yeah, going back to kind of what you were saying before, I think it's interesting. Um, we've seen obviously a huge, huge re renaissance with our advisors, right? Um, with tons of new advisors wanting to get into the business. And I think a lot of that is due to a lot of the things you touched on, right? It's a people to people business. It's an experience business. Um, it's all about the personal connections. And I'm just curious to hear um, your thoughts on sort of the travel, travel advisors as a career, um, as an industry. I, again, we're seeing huge, huge trends towards massive growth. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. You know, it's, it's really funny. Uh, you, you, had you asked me the question, say, 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, no way, don't go there. You know, go in revenue management. And, and, uh, and today I would say the opposite. That's where I started. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, but today, I took that advice 10 yeah, years ago. <laughs> yeah, but 10 years ago it was probably good advice. Uh, but, but, you know, as we know in, in, in today's world, you're know, not, not going to do the same job forever. You're going you're to change every couple of years. And you're going to have to pivot and you're going to have, you know, to, to, to learn something new, to change maybe industry. Who knows? I mean, I frankly don't know what's going to happen in, 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 in five years or, or, or 10 years in terms of, of jobs. But, but I think at least for the next five, maybe not after that but or beyond but the travel advisor sector is is certainly a wonderful opportunity for 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 anyone who's interested in 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 what you said you know the people so there's a business component to it there's a sales component to it but then there's an advisor component to it which is very much the people interaction and you, and you want to and it, it's not like you know the passive advising today it's really about Customizing, understanding the you know what really without necessarily the customer knowing what they really want, but but trying to get into their head and and their heart and saying you know this is what this is this is what you you, you will you will like. Um, so I think it's a it's a growing sector and and it's again it's probably linked to that swing of that pendulum coming from you know we were very much process orientated and leveraging technology to maximize or optimize decisions, which is the revenue management side, I would say now go away from it. Um, 
because it's going to be automated, you know, and, and, and we're going to have revenue managers that are more strategic in a way, but the, the, the uh, tactical decisions and the tactical allocations uh, we, will be done by, you know, robots, right? And they're done already in part by robots, but um, we just need to make the investment that every, every one of them is done by robots. So these positions will be gone, but the ones that, that leverage the human interactions will grow, and, and travel advisors are part of that. Especially, I think, as exper- the experience economy, sure. as you were saying before, continues to grow, and, and it takes the noise out of the marketplace and all that other stuff. So, yeah, yeah we agree I, over here. Yeah, I, well, and I think it's really interesting, right? <clears throat> when I started at Orbitz, you know, all of our focus was on what you just said, which is we wanted to optimize the efficiency in the right. purchasing process, <clears throat> you know, which, if you think about it, is sort of the definition of creating an, a commodity. We wanted to, right? Our goal was who can be the best at commoditizing this product? And the OTAs did that, you know, really well. They mm-hmm. did really well at commoditizing this product. But that almost forced a reaction, which was, well, for the people who don't want this as a commodity experience, my options are now limited, right? There is so much choice and so much noise. If what I want is commodity, I have an answer. And what if I don't want is commodity, I don't have an answer anymore. And I think that brought us back to the only one that's filling that need is a travel advisor. And I think a lot more people today are saying that I don't want travel of all things to be a commodity, right? This is the one thing. And it's interesting for us who travel for work a lot. And Karen and I talk about this a lot. When I travel truly for business, I actually do want it to be a commodity, right? I want it to be as simple and efficient as possible because I'm away from my family and I'm away from my children. And I had the flu three days ago and I just want to go to sleep, right? So then it's great. But I love to travel. I always have. And for me, like the last thing I want is for that to be a commoditized experience. I want this to be I don't even exist on social media. For me, it's not about sharing. It is about the experience. It's that I want to like share time with people I love and share experiences with people I love. And to me, that has to be something that's unique. And I think technology has actually ironically moved us further away from that as opposed to closer to it. And we've realized that people are the solution to that problem. And it has created this incredible renaissance of, yeah, there is a reason why all that technology did what it did. And there's a market segment for it. But there's also this huge unserved market that advisors have picked back up and said, we're here for you and we can deliver a product that just can't, you can't get anywhere else. And consumers are speaking, right? Because the industry continues to grow. And we were just talking this morning that millennials are the largest growth market. The people who want the most out of their experiences are the ones that are coming, you know, I think in full force to the travel industry. You see, I think that I fully agree with you. And I think the technology and the OTAs and all, all of that has educated the consumer in a sense that the consumer became aware again that they didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because then then it created a lot of transparency in the marketplace where originally used the transparency to try to be more, most efficient. Both the consumer who wanted to have the cheapest rates, wanted to have da-da-da, um, but, you know, maximizing, you know, the TripAdvisor review per if, if by rate and trying to do these kinds of math as a consumer. So people were trying to be efficient and companies were trying to be the most efficient. But, but I think at one point consumers started to realize that, oh my God, there's so much to do and to experience, and all of these unique um, properties, these unique locations, these unique you know destinations, um, and all of the cultural aspect around it, all of the entertainment aspect around it. So it, so it made them re- it made them realize that in fact I need an advisor, because I can't you know and and all of the meta search and meta things are not sufficient to give me what what I want when I don't want the very efficient solution. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to the brands in saying you know. 
you have brands that need to be efficient, that need to serve the need that you 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 talked about when you go on business. But you you need to have brands that are kind of uh, more on the emotion side and for and and that can customize a travel experience with the help maybe of an advisor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. But this has been really great, Nicholas. Thank you so, so much. You brought such a, a great perspective to this whole conversation. And thank you for educating our next generation of travel advisors. Amen. This has been <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. As always, if you've got questions, you can email us at selectinsights at travelleaders.com. And on that, happy travels.